It is shocking that your home can be stolen this easily. Let me share a true story. Deborah learned that brutal lesson when thieves found the title to her home online. Then they forged the documents to appear she sold her home, but she hadn't. Then they borrowed thousands using her home's equity. Deborah didn't know she was a victim until foreclosure notices arrived and an eviction notice followed. She spent her fortune trying to get her home back. The crime is home title fraud, and the FBI calls it one of the fastest growing crimes. The best advice for avoiding a title fraud nightmare is to protect your home with home title lock. And no, neither your homeowner's insurance nor bank protects you. For pennies a day, Home Title Lock does. So first things first, find out if you're already a victim of home title fraud. Register your home at HomeTitleLock.com and enter SAVE for one month of free protection. Again, enter SAVE for one month of free protection at HomeTitleLock.com. HomeTitleLock.com. Smart politics for stupid times. Welcome to the Unprecedented Podcast with John Aravosis and Cliff Schechter. Welcome back, everybody. Tuesday, April 21st. Uh, you might have noticed an ad at the beginning of our podcast. Uh, we have, we just, have ads. We have ads. And there's a reason we have ads, not just the fact that Cliff and I need to pay mortgage in the middle. Why, of the John? Why do we well, have ads? Uh, well, we have ads because... There's a worldwide economic meltdown, and we need to pay uh, our mortgages. Okay, that's one big reason. Are there that's any other one big reason. The other big reason is we joined the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network, um, which do you Yay. know? Do you want to mention some of the people that are part of the network? <clears throat> or actually, yeah, you know, you guys may have paid attention the last couple of years, probably a little longer than that. There have been these sexy liberal tours. Um, the main driver behind that has been Stephanie Miller, who's got just you know one of the most popular, if not the most popular, progressive radio show out there um and along with stephanie john fugelsang who obviously is a big name from his time on vh1 and doing other things with pop culture he's got a serious satellite radio show they tour with hal sparks if you ever saw um ugh, come on john why am i forgetting the name of the damn show about the gays about you about in pittsburgh oh 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 Jeez. queer like folk queer yeah Something, yeah, it was yes, like that. I think it, was yeah. it. it was a popular. My or wife queer as folk it. or queer as folk. Like there we go. I'm such yeah. an idiot. Uh, queer like sparks. folk. Queer like folk. <laughs> yeah, like folk, we queer. Um, so in Bob Seska, yeah. How so anyway, Bob Seska, our good friend, uh, yeah. his podcast is a part of it, and I know there's others yeah. we're missing. But the point being, it's a uh, it's a great sort of partnership. It con- and- well, it's a confederation of podcasts in essence. We we all still own Are our. Are you own saying podcast. you're pro confederacy, John? I'm pro the I'm pro the federation. That's, okay. I was using it more in Star Trek. I like Federation better than Confederation. Yes. Yeah. But no, but basically um, we all still own our own podcast, but we're a loose grouping of podcasts so that we're an ad network that is more powerful together. And at the same time, uh, hopefully promote each other's shows so that all of us can cross. So promotional. Stronger promotional. together than apart is what this is. It's, it's we a are message. e pluribus unum. Exactly. A message you might want to share with Donald Trump, but you probably want to probably want to translate that from the Latin because he'd be like, e, who's on the bus? Alone? What? Um, in any case. So there you go, guys. We're sexy and we're yep. liberal now. I mean, uh, I, I suspect we always have been, but now it's like official and you can't even question it. Exactly. Um, and so with that, we actually have a, a read-through ad that I want to share with you all too. Because uh, as you know, John and I have been talking a lot on the podcast about safety. Um, yep. John goes out, walks his dog with uh, with his mask on because John oh, has – pre-existing condition. I go very few places without mine on. And, you know, often 
you're, you're worrying about keeping your phone clean too, which is something that I, I've come home and found myself getting out the Lysol, the wipes and wiping my phone down. Well, here we have well, something wait, else. Like, that- can, I, can I just interrupt real quick? What's really interesting, I mean, the ad is about a phone cleaner, but what's kind of funny is two or three weeks ago, I was Googling this because I read an article in one of my tech magazines about how your phone actually is really dirty. Right. And I, Cliff, actually, Cliff, I even told you. Remember well, you don't you think about gonna... it, right? You walk into yeah. stores and you walk into places where you're touching things. And because these days, yeah. none of us can wait in a line for literally a minute without doing something because we're all ADD as yeah. part of the, the world we live in. You take your phone out and your hands are dirty. And guess what else gets dirty? Your well, phone. Cliff, did I, wait, real quick. And it's actually on topic. Remember, I think I even told people, remember, I went to my physical therapist at the beginning of the crisis and they had hand, uh, hand sanitizer. And I was like, oh, that's really wonderful. You have this. So I put my phone down on the counter, used the hand sanitizer and picked my phone up again. And then I looked at her and I said, did you see what I just did? Yeah. So what I said, I cleaned my hands and then took my dirty phone and put it back in my hands. That is correct. Unless so you're was, sanitizing it, your phone. So I think we should tell people about this, John, and get to the point here. Because look, yes. Okay. So look, we've, we've established this. We're worried more so about it's an hygiene. an ad I like is the point. It's an ad yes. I actually like is the point. <laughs> yes. John likes this ad. And in the future, he will not tell you if he doesn't like it. That is true. But he definitely likes this one. I, I Honestly, folks, I do too, because this is important. I didn't know about this. Okay, I'm going to get to reading it to you, because obviously we're concerned about hygiene. We're washing the hell out of our hands. We're seizing in our arms, which, by the way, we started doing a couple of years ago as a smarter thing to do. Um, But, you know, we're we're still carrying what John has said to you is a huge carrier of virus with us everywhere. We've got this, this, this potential vector of virus, if you will, that we're carrying in our pockets often, or, and that's your phone, right? So we're constantly touching our phones. We're putting our hands on them. You, you know, you don't take the time to clean it. You put it up to your face. Well, there is a new product, by the way, and it's called the Clean Phone Pro. Let me say that again, the Clean Phone Pro. Uh, it's This sanitizer, which is what it is, uses medically proven UV light technology to kill 99.99 of all bacteria that comes in contact with your phone, which, by the way, that is awesome. Um, I've read many of these other things where even wipes and sanitizer is only 99.5, and this is 99.99, and it's a UV light technology. So I got to be as like a technical, technological geek. I find this incredibly cool. Yeah. Uh, it's better than wipes. It's it's completely safe for your device. You don't have to worry about that. Yeah. Um, and Clean Pro, uh, sorry, Clean Phone Pro can get every inch of your phone clean. It has yeah. nine high power UVC lights. Nine. Well, actually, and another, actually. I don't, That's no. like. Did the Klingons even have that, John? <laughs> yeah. Well, no, you know what's interesting? Now, the problem is, of course, we're going to do like five minutes on this ad, and we shouldn't do that because, you know, they bought us for a minute. But I will say what's funny is uh, the UVC lights, I was watching on TV how the Chinese hospital rooms and stuff have got those, they look like Daleks or something, but these these tall things with UV lights on the sides to uh, to uh, kill viruses in the rooms. It's UVC, which was really interesting because- right. Just anyway, it's it well, is. The, I know, and I know right we're lighting. spending time on this. But anyway, we're but time let's... On this because this is incredibly important right now for yeah. people. This is something we're talking about in our podcast. How incredibly cool! We'll have a story a little bit later about a nurse who invented a new mask better than like most of the ones out there. So I mean, Ooh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So so just know. So look, you, you know, you you have a dedicated wireless charging pad uh, on top of the chamber. You can sit, be sanitizing other items while wirelessly charging your phone. Or you can just use the Clean Phone Pro. I have to get that right, Clean Phone Pro, because you know there's alliteration there. As your go-to charging station anytime, so it can actually be your charging station too. Fully removable top provides you with an easier fit for more items and larger items. So, so 
you know, go to cleanphone.com today, get one for just $89 in free shipping when you use the code, the very important code, folks, sexy liberal. Remember, that's us. Think of us and think and of sexy uh, liberal. It's one word, one word, sexy liberal. That's right. Uh, in all caps they have here. So let's just assume all caps, sexy liberal. Yep. I mean, seriously, if you're serious about your hygiene, which we are here, again, we're, we're going to talk about it today. We talk about it a lot. You got to get serious about cleaning your phone because they're, they're, if you clean your hands, as John said, don't clean your phone you'll find yourself getting sick. So again, go to cleanphone.com uh, to keep your phone truly clean. Remember to use the code sexyliberal um, and it will ship in two days and immediately. Cleanphone.com. Yep. So there you go, guys. Hope well, you enjoy it. Oh, and actually it. the one thing I will say is only because the script was a little confusing, it might be thecleanphone.com or cleanphone.com. Try both because it's a little confusing from the script. Yeah, the script says both here. Try them both. You'll get in. Sexy liberal, anyway. all, all caps, yep. one word. You're in. And I'm going to, I actually think I'm going to go out and buy yep. this. Well, you know, it's funny. I will say, I mean, again, ads over now, but it is kind of funny that like the first ad we got was something where I went, I actually researched that. No, I know. <laughs> so I'm not kidding. Uh, again, it's, it isn't still the ad. I will just say, yeah. I have been taking, you know, these well, wipes you know, and wiping down my phone because again. And, and, and you should anyway. And actually, uh, if you're just going to, you could also, uh, you know, if, if you're going to, if you're going to wipe down your phone, be careful what you use, uh, because there's all sorts of issues about wiping the, uh, uh, the, what is it? Oleo, oleophilic or oleo, whatever, uh, screens the iPhones have, for example, so, so that when you touch it with your thumb, you don't get thumbprints. You can yeah. kind of mess. For example, if, if you put straight alcohol on your phone, you'll screw it up if you just spray alcohol on your phone. So you don't want to do that. So be careful if you're using other techniques. In any case, so today, uh, among other issues, obviously pandemic is the big story as always. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more as about it will Stakeham. Be for a long time. Yep. We're going to talk a little bit more about Stakeham because they did more really cool stuff with their Twitter account. Um Honestly, Cliff, I think they it's rolled. a lot of pandemic talk, but but we're we're going to start getting more into how the pandemic is affecting the election because I think the protest that's what this is all about. Cliff, should we let, let's start maybe with um Georgia and South Carolina opening up. And because that kind of yes, leads us into um, why that kind of leads us into the protests. It leads us into why well, we think the, the protests, protests are and happening. again it's it's all it's like the ad we were just talking about. Yep. It's like the reason why we need to to be more concerned about this stuff because Americans are purposely being stupid about this kind of stuff. And by Americans, I mean Republicans. Um, and by Republicans, uh, I mean specific governors of states who have already been hard hit and have seen their their rates of uh, of infection continue to go up. Yep. Because again, there have been a couple good Republican governors, um, mine, Mike DeWine of Ohio, who I will fight to the end of time on abortion rights and numerous other things. But on this, He's hired a public health professional. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry? He's been good. I hired yeah. a public health professional, and has, at least so far has done exactly the right thing. Larry Hogan is now doing the right thing in Maryland, which has led him to get into a fight with the president of the United States, because if you do the right thing, as a Republican, the president gets mad at you. Charlie Baker of Massachusetts has joined in with that compact of states on the East Coast because we have no federal government anymore. Trying to, so there are some good Republicans, and I'm careful to say that. But generally, the GOP philosophy of, you know, fuck the government. We don't need any government. Figure it out yourself. Uh, we don't believe in science is coming back to haunt us, right? These states that you had this huge 
uh, outbreak in this meat plant up in South Dakota because the the you know the uh, Republican governor there she refused to take actions to shut down South oh, Dakota. Did, did you see? We, wait, wait, did you see the interview mm-hmm. she did on Hannity? He goes, so how are things going in your state? She goes, they're going really well. And he goes, I understand yeah. you had a problem in a meat plant. She goes, yeah, you know, we tested there and. This is a, I'd have to pull it up. This is approximate, but she goes, and we did have about 800 of the 2,400 employees. It was around 2,500 employees. Who so tested one positive. third of them. <laughs> but got, otherwise, I mean, yeah, no big deal. Well, but, but we quarantined it and got it sectioned off. So everything's good. Yeah, sure. As Luckily, if, like, those 800, A, are not real people, so they don't matter. And B, well, and, and they don't go homes or interact with anybody else. So it should be fine. Exactly. It's not like they went home and their spouses and kids picked this up too. I mean, it was just like, but it was, but literally, oh, we're doing real well. We knew this was going to, I mean, we knew this was going to happen eventually. It was only a matter of time. And if we kept electing Republicans who don't believe in two things, government and science, eventually, and truth. Yeah, I think truth is going to add in there. Then eventually that this is, this is what happens because We've got talked about it with climate change. We've talked about it with guns. We've talked about it with gay rights. We've talked. I mean, there's so many issues we've discussed this with vaccines. It was inevitable that something like this would happen, and we'd be caught in a position where, I mean, it's ridiculous. You know, I made that joke earlier in the podcast for you know Confederacy or whatever. But how about like the Confederate? You know, the original Articles of the Confederation, which we rejected because there was no strong federal government. It feels like that that's what we are right now. We have a, a federal government that's refusing to take any responsibility is not a moral leader at all. It's just the opposite. I mean, I could say enough terrible things about Trump to you know, go on for hours. But the key here is, is these guys take their cues from him. So Arkansas, Republican governor, stayed open. You know, South Dakota, we just discussed, stayed open. Um, Oklahoma, Republican governor, stayed open. And these rural type states now are seeing the biggest rise in cases. Well, sadly, a couple of states that aren't just rural did the same thing. And I say that because in cities with closer, you know, connection between people, bigger buildings, you know, buildings that house lots of people that share elevators and things like that. And then you've got on top of that, uh, public transportation in some of them, you you know, this is going to be easier to break out. And so when John brings up Georgia, I mean, this jackass Kemp, you know, who, who, as far as I can tell, you know, probably, probably on some level stole the election. You know, I, I don't have the exact number of votes, but suppressed votes like crazy and still barely beat Stacey yeah. Abrams. And it just shows you the difference this has made. This jackass. Oh, that's right. He, the, was the, he was the Stacey Abrams race. He was. And right. I wasn't he, even thinking a, of that. He's, a, he's yeah. an SOB on the level of DeSantis, Trump, the yeah. worst of the worst Republicans. And the cases were allowed uh, to rise because he originally refused to pay any attention. He's the guy who was like two weeks ago was like, oh, I didn't know asymptomatic people could be carriers. Oh. We've only one. had the information forever. Right. Um, right. And so let's let's sort of put this where you should understand it. My 10-year-old knew more than the governor of Georgia. Because yeah. we talked to our kids about this. My 10-year-old knew that you could be an asymptomatic carrier. The governor of fucking Georgia did not. Yeah. Um, and now with cases going up, they're not, it's not plateauing or going down like it's happening in certain states that have taken the right measures. He's reopening a number of things. He's reopening beaches. Uh, the, the biggest, the worst of all, which I don't get, they're like, well, essential, um, you know, essential businesses where there isn't close contact masseuses. I mean, yeah. I like yeah. to get a massage like anybody else, but if you think I'm going anywhere near a masseuse over the next six months to a year, well, and Cliff, on somebody, somebody who's been touching people all day and mm-hmm. sitting in a room in which they've been touching people all day. Right. And then you 
theoretically, to even no matter how nice it is, I don't know if they're going to change their protocol, sit in a waiting room to go in with a number of other people yeah. sitting in yeah. there with you. Yeah. Um, it's insane. Wait, and then can I, you can add I, to that. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, I was going to say, I was going to add in unless you were going to some of the other things that are opening in Georgia, which well, are yeah, insane. I was say, to me, the two worst, I'll say, and then you can list them all. Yeah. The, the you know, uh, nails and hair. Again, for somebody to do your nails or do oh, your I'm, hair, they have to actually get yep. close to you. They can't I've got worse that. than that. I've got worse than that. Uh, prostitution? No, practically this. No, that would just be that would just be <laughs> the governor. That would just be the governor himself. But um, Friday. So this Friday they're they're opening gyms. Jesus Christ! Imagine a sweaty gym. I can because the the, the you know, and I go to a much they, smaller gym here that's run by a trainer and whatever. The last time that I went to that gym, which was <laughs> somewhere early March. Um, when before they shut everything down, I yeah. still was already worried enough. I didn't wear a face mask. Thank you, God, it's been over a month now, and yeah. we seem yeah. to be all right. Yeah. Uh, but I did wear gloves because I'm like yeah. touching all this stuff that people have been sweating and sneezing and spitting. I mean, I mean spitting purposely, but when, you, like, well, when like you work you... out hard, you produce <laughs> yeah. saliva, right? It's it's why I even hate some of these joggers that don't give you a warning and run by you on the street. Move the fuck over because if yeah. you're panting when you're running, guess yeah. what you're doing? You're spitting up more whether you know it or not. How about lifting a heavy weight and going, ooh? Right. I mean, all right. The 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 sweat, you're I mean, I don't work out as much as I should, but I, I remember I have vague memories of what it was like, right? Your forehead is always sweating and you're always having to wipe off your forehead That's with correct. the same hand that you're using to touch all the equipment. Um, you lie down on the bench, your t-shirt is now wet. You lie down on the bench and now the bench is covered with your sweat. Right. I mean, working out actually is something important to me. And I got oh into my it, God. Back, back into it because I was in sports when I was younger in college. Yeah, and not this month. And, well, no, no. But what I was going to say to you is, yeah. well, now we do them. I do them because I would go with, it was part of bonding with my, my 13 year old. We do them on the third floor of our house when we've got a couple times a week where we, we play a video and, and put, uh, of people doing certain things. And so you do some cardio. Dance, you do some, dance into the oldies. That's, that's correct. But here's the key, John. <laughs> Because I was going to bring, I was going to sort of elaborate on the point, or not elaborate, but sort of, you know, refer to the point you made. My condition for knowing that the workout's been sufficient is that my forehead has to be dripping. If it isn't, then to me, I haven't done enough. You know what I mean? And so I'm assuming a lot of other people feel the same way too. And so you're dripping with sweat. You're, you're, you're when you're crazy. overcome, you're breathing hard. There's saliva oh, oh, in the oh. air. Wait, you go to shower and you're walking, you're walking barefoot in the shower right. from your locker to the shower. <laughs> I mean, like where everybody else has been wet and barefoot. Right. It's insane. Okay, so wait, so the two more. Now that was the worst. The two other things he's opening on Monday, theaters and restaurants. <laughs> okay, first of all, movie theaters. They, I was looking at a list from Harvard or something, and they listed movie theaters at the bottom of the list of risk. And all of us were going, movie theaters? <laughs> You're gonna so wait, 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 Georgia's reopening movie theaters? Yeah, movie theaters and restaurants open on Monday. That's right. And, and I think what he said was, um, I saw the restaurants. I didn't even see the oh movie theaters. And he was like, oh we'll God. make sure that social distancing takes place. I mean, what are you going to do? Not like, breathe in a closed room. Right. So you're six, you're, you're four to six feet away from the person next to you, but there's still a hundred people in a closed off room breathing for two hours. They're going to, you know what they're going to do? You're going to all have to wear fucking scuba masks. And I, scuba I mean, gear. I'm and, kidding. Cause they won't do that because apparently you know, Brian Kemp seems, seems literally determined 
to turn his state and, oh, and itself cases, into a pandemic. I actually, mean, again, yeah. yeah. Well, no, I was gonna say real quick, the other point is South Carolina is doing something similar. What Fauci was, Fauci, forget Fauci, uh, what Sanjay Gupta, the only doctor we all trust anymore on CNN said yesterday, he said, look, you know, cases are still going up in both Georgia and South Carolina. They don't even meet the rules that Donald Trump put out. Trump said that you've got to have 14 days of decreasing cases in order for um, in order to be able to open up just in phase one. Remember, there were like three phases of the opening up just for phase one. You had to have 14 days. These guys are still going up. Right. And, so and, that and it's, I'm assuming it's this cynical insane. fuck, you know, because this is my assumption here. Huh. Okay. Georgia, where's where we give you the political analysis side of it. Uh, Georgia is trending in a democratic direction. Um, there literally was a poll out last week. Um, this is why Donald Trump has been, I mean, you know, you don't need many reasons for Donald Trump to lose his shit constantly, but there was polling out, out last week within the own, you know, this was in a New York times piece within Trump's own organization that showed him down double digits in Michigan. I think Michigan, unless something changes drastically is off the map as a swing state at this point. I mean, they only won it by like 9,000 votes last time by, you know, with a lot of voter suppression and luck and people, I mean, Michigan was always going to be a tough one to pull off again. Um, uh, but they're down by double digits there, so they have to make that up somewhere. But they were down six in Florida. Um, I've not yet seen a poll. I've now seen both a public poll by PPP that that echoed similar results, and I can't go to the details, but a client that I have in North Carolina, and which were the PPP poll was closer. It had Biden up 48 to 47, but Trump's approval rating was down low enough to put him in danger. The one I saw uh, it had it 48, 45. Uh, and then I saw a third one public a while, a while back. I'm trying to remember what that was. But so far, every poll in North Carolina that I've seen, Trump's been down. He was down six in Florida. Um, he was down. He's been down in every poll in Arizona. So they're getting scared shitless is what's going on. They're down in Pennsylvania. They're down in Wisconsin, about yep. somewhere between. In all of the Wisconsin polls are down between three and six points. Um, they're down in Pennsylvania by by mid to high single digits. So they're looking at right now essentially like – uh, what I, you know, and I don't, I don't know if this is Kemp and Trump coordinating. Now, Kemp and Trump were good buddies, but then Kemp went and picked insider trading lady as the new senator Loeffler against Trump's wishes. He wanted Doug Collins oh, right. to be I forgot about that. So, so I'm gonna. So the reason why I'm incorporating that is is that I'm just giving you the Trump numbers so you know that Republicans are in trouble in a lot right. of states. I promise you, if it's right. if Trump is doing that badly, so are the other Republicans. Right. So. Kemp, who's not up for re-election, but I'm sure that the state legislature is. I don't know how close it is, but there's a chance maybe that they could lose a chamber or they could lose a supermajority or something that inhibits his ability to govern. That's one. Two, the senator he picked, Mrs. Insider Trading, is up for re-election. Already, the campaign against her should be fun. And if they're in as much of a recession as they're in, it makes it even tougher. So, you know, he looks like a fucking asshole if she ends up losing to a Democrat and we win that seat which is a strong possibility. And also remember, there's another open seat in Georgia too, um, because uh, who is it who's not running for real? Oh, for da- I'm sorry. That's the open seat uh, that Loeffler's put in. Excuse me. David Perdue is running for re-election. Now he's a rich asshole. And so there's a better chance he can hold on to his seat because you know he has the, in, he has the benefit of being an incumbent and having name recognition, cousin of Sonny Perdue, who was their state, who was their governor of the state in the past. The Purdue name helps carry some weight there. Loeffler 
is best known now for being an inside trader who's traded on knowledge of coronavirus while lying to people. So all of that could be part of this. Because if Kemp loses like a chamber of the state legislature or, or he just loses seats in them, and also Loeffler loses, that weakens the hell out of him. And, and he's as bad as Trump. So my guess is, is that he doesn't give a fuck. He's, he's thinking about himself. He wants to be president someday. God help us all. So uh, there's your, your – so that's what George is doing. You know more about South Carolina, and you know maybe it's to protect old Linz Graham down there. Again, another one. I mean, incredible. Um, the last poll that came out, I believe it was public, but I can look it up. Jamie Harrison, 46, Lindsey Graham, 42. Not shitting you, folks. And Donald Trump, people forget that South Carolina, it's kind of like it took people forever with Virginia, Georgia, these other states where they're Texas, where they're like, oh, that's a Republican state. And before it hit them on the head, like a lot of Northeasterners are retiring there. College kids are, and suburbanites are moving to the Democratic Party and the rest um, and growing Latino population. South Carolina is only a cycle or two behind Georgia in becoming a lean Republican swing state. It is not the South Carolina it once was. It is not Alabama. Hmm. So what I'm saying to you is like Trump will win in South Carolina unless there's an absolute collapse, but he might only win there. Hillary only lost her by seven or eight points or something. Um, Maybe a little more than that. He might only win by five points. And if he wins by five points, Jamie Harrison has a much you know less of a haul to win over enough you know Trump voters to be able to, to upset Lindsey Graham, who a lot of conservatives don't like, uh, A, because until he kissed Trump's ass, he'd always been a thorn in the side and been bad on immigration, and some of them will never forgive him. And B, the rumors that he's gay, I'm sure there are some evangelicals who will refuse to vote for him for that reason. There you go. Yep. So I'm looking at some, I was just- I was There's just your Googling. political analysis of what yep. may be going on in both of those states and why. Because we already know they clearly don't seem to care whether their people yeah. live or die. And this was something that, you know, you would get attacked for saying a couple of years ago if you're talking about guns or abortion or issues that affected people's lives where they just sort of, for, you know, the all the wrong reasons, just ignored them. But what do you say about when they're literally, they know the truth and you know they know it and they're reopening their, I mean, that's allowing the people who you're supposed to be responsible for to die. Right. Tell me I'm wrong. Right. Well, so <clears throat> I've been from the beginning of this, not from the beginning, but for the last couple of weeks, I've had a theory that I think now is coming true, unfortunately, as to what's going on with all these protests. Right now, I don't mean what's motivating them or because we know that, um, you know, they've had protests and yesterday's was Pennsylvania and they had Michigan and I think Minnesota and Arizona. And they're it's basically sort of Tea Party types. You're clicking again on me. Cli- sorry, I just sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay. Yeah. Cliff's, Cliff's a clicker, just so you know. Um, we all have our own ways of dealing with stress. Um, but uh, I just eat lots of chocolate. Um, but a solid the, way. But the, uh, the, the protests around the country, you know, DeVos money's involved. They're, they're fake. I mean, they're real, but they're fake. And what, what is especially interesting, uh, CNN, for example, was covering the Pennsylvania one yesterday. And I was talking to a friend, God, maybe it was you. I don't think it was you, Cliff, who was saying they shouldn't be covering it at all. And I was like, you know, what's interesting is CNN made a point of just getting in the middle and showing you who was there and they didn't even comment on it. Well, one guy right behind their camera, one guy has the obey Jesus sign. Mind you, again, the point is like, what's the protest really about? The guy next to him, what, Trump. Did, did Jesus say you should go out and get sick and die? Am I missing what Jesus said? Well, the Jesus guy actually has a mask on, which I think is funny, again, because, like, they're all claiming this is a hoax. The Jesus Um, has a what? I'm sorry? The Jesus guy looks like he's got a mask on to protect himself. Um, But better than him, though, the guy next to him 
has a huge sign that says Trump, make America great again, ban homo marriage. There you go. And and I and I will give CNN credit because they they sort of did straight reporting, but they made sure you saw all the crazy surrounding them. This is not, you know, this is not. Uh, actually, here's another of my favorites: I, a, a guy holding a sign. I'm not afraid of the big bad wolf. Beware of wolves in sheep's clothing. Again, I don't. Well, actually, do any of them know what they're talking about? Like, they, it just like it seems like they they grab random like fairy well, actually, tales or, wait, or but, parables. I mean, I mean, Cliff, can I just say, first of all, like, I'm not afraid of the big bad wolf. Beware of wolves in sheep's clothing. Well, then you, I mean, the whole point point of the story is you should be afraid of the big bad wolf because he could be in sheep's clothing and you've got to be careful. Like, what, do you mean? Like, I'm not afraid of the big bad wolf? And then beware of wolves in sheep's clothing. Well, if you're being aware, then it means you're afraid. I know. But my but my favorite part though is the guy to his right and the guy to his left are both wearing masks to protect themselves. <laughs> well, see, that's my favorite part. That, that's right? the best like, part. <laughs> like you know the 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 oh it's it's a hoax it's a whatever. If you could ever make it more clear that you're like you're there because you're being paid to be there or because a group you belong to is forcing you to be there, which is one of these Koch brothers outfits or one of these kinds of things that we know are sponsoring. And by the way, it has been exposed. I mean, a lot of the big money behind this. Is coming from. I think they, they, you know, they may have, they may be more even than the Cokes at this point. The most evil family in America. Oh, DeVos. Yes, the DeVos family. I mean, they have fucked up so many parts of this country. When you think about, you know, that Betsy DeVos when she's under education under Trump, and the fact that her brother-in-law is Eric Prince Blackwater, and he was involved in the Seychelles meeting with Russia. I mean, they are just the most evil group of motherfuckers you could ever imagine up. These rich assholes that made their money through Amway, which is a big scam, you know, multi-level marketing garbage, which is basically just a Ponzi scheme that fucks everybody at the bottom. You know, it's incredible. It really is. This, I mean, what a just a they're up. I mean, certainly they're tied with the Trumps. Yeah. Maybe a few other families who literally just, I mean, they do nothing but take from this country. They do nothing but leave carnage wherever they go. They are pure evil. So what I was, uh, what I wanted to sort of dig deeper on this then was why the protests were going on. And here's, I mean, there's a lot of crazy reasons why, but I think what's going on and why Trump has been endorsing the protests, but then contradicting himself, which has been very interesting during the White House briefings, but is look, the economy's in shambles. Um, very unlikely it's going to recover sufficiently by the election. Trump was hoping the economy was going to be his big thing. Now, mind you, up until months ago, Trump was refusing to even talk about the economy. I mean, he talked about the stock market, but Republicans kept saying, shut up with all the crazy stuff. Talk about the economy. Right. And Trump wasn't doing it, but whatever. Well, now the economy's in shambles. Trump needs someone to blame and go back to Trump's original hoax comment. Remember about the virus and about the, about the, the concern about the virus. And I think what's going to happen. And then I've got a great quote to read from you backing me up. But what I've been concerned is the Republicans need to claim, they need to blame the Democrats for the virus or not the virus, the economy being bad. And the way you do it is a couple of different ways. One, you say the virus was a hoax and the Democrats somehow the deep state tricked us into thinking it was real, right. right? That's the first thing. Second, you say, even if the virus was real, we we beat it and we were ready to open up and all those damn Democratic right. governors wouldn't open up when Donald Trump wanted to. And somehow you basically managed to blame. Now, Sean Davis, who's the editor of, of The Federalist, crazy right-wing rag. And frankly, I'm curious if CNN still has Mary Catherine Hamm 
as a paid consultant because paid contributor because at this point it gets me so angry and and, 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 uh, what do you call it um Hmm. um, cbs that has on you know mr mccain ben dominic as a a legit a guy that's been busted both for writing and he's from there as well being yeah he's he's the federalist also he's been busted in the past for plagiarism which he got fired for and and for being paid by the malaysian government to write positive stories apparently that all wasn't enough you know to keep this guy out of the media forever because he's conservative and being conservative means you can get away with anything in this country and and uh, and now his publication has been pushing just this batshit well, crazy and yeah and they're not i mean they're just, they're not a legitimate conservative publication they're crazy so listen to this right this is their editor i think sean is their big editor says democrats and media aren't demanding Oh, Democrats and Democrats and the media aren't demanding indefinite lockdowns for public health reasons. Democrats know the booming economy was Trump's biggest political advantage, so they made the deliberate decision to destroy tens of millions of jobs and livelihoods for their own political gain. Now, first of all, how the hell did we lock down the country, right? I mean, first That's of all, point. right? I mean, Trump and everybody recommended it. Governors, we've got First of all, don't we still have more Republican governors than Democratic governors? I'm not sure. I'd have to look. It's pretty I mean, close. But but we, yeah. as I named it earlier in the show, there's a number of Republican governors who've been every bit aggressive, yeah. as aggressive, sometimes more aggressive. So do, do Mike DeWine, Larry Hogan, and Charlie Baker, are they just doing it to undermine Trump? Yeah. No, yeah. I, I would say not. Mike DeWine has a re-election 20, to run for you. This. As of 2020, there are 26 Republicans and 24 Democrat governors. There you there go. You go. There are still more Republicans anyway. And as Cliff said, we've got multiple Republicans who are still really worried. Well, then the best part, the best part, Trump has been lauding these protests. He then, and I still put on his briefing because I feel, you know, because of my job, I should watch it. Trump starts saying, because he just can't help himself and he's too stupid to keep track of the lies. Well, they always say this anyway, right? That a, a person who lies eventually will get tripped up because you just can't remember that many right. lies. But, but especially in his case, because he doesn't plan out lies. No. Trump, as no. people have pointed out before successfully, is always just trying to get through each moment. He has no, he, yeah. he literally seems to have some sort of a disease beyond almost, it's way beyond ADHD, where he cannot plan for yeah. anything beyond the moment he's in. It's like marijuana so, head lies, right. where it, it's all situational. Based on right, so whatever lies, whoever he needs to insult, yeah. even if there's somebody who was, was an ally, like whatever he needs to do to get through yeah. that moment is what he does. Yeah. So of course Trump, you don't remember yeah. that five minutes later because you made it up on the fly. So, so keep in mind now, right, what I just read from Sean Davis, what all these other crazy protesters, the fact that Trump has openly embraced the protesters. Now, keep that in mind with what Trump says yesterday. Yesterday, Trump goes, you know, you know, these estimates, there were estimates, millions were going to die. And now, I mean, of course, it's really bad that 40,000 have died, but it's only 40,000. And it, it, it could have been millions. And, you know, the flu. Now, mind you, he's literally using real, like, honest talking points now, like the good ones. You know, the flu, the flu kills 60,000 every year, but that's, but that's doing nothing. We don't stay at home and the flu kills 60,000. So the fact that this killed 40,000 when we stayed at home means it's a big deal. I'm paraphrasing here. So yeah. it, it was going to kill. I don't enjoy your intonation, your Trump right. intonation. Right. But, too. But, but, right. So, so it's a big deal. It was going to kill a lot of people. And I saved killing a lot of people. And we've just got to keep going a little longer. And then we're going to beat it. But so the bottom line is Trump has now totally obliterated the argument of the numbers were a hoax. The virus was a hoax. 
right? right? He's totally obliterated the argument of shutting down the economy was stupid and not necessary and counterproductive. He, I mean, everything, it's bizarre. Like he, he basically embraced our talking point because he wanted to claim credit for there not being 2 million deaths. But at the same time, he's embracing the protesters that are saying all the numbers. Oh, that was the other thing. One of the big signs that they all keep carrying are that the numbers are a hoax at the protests saying these, these numbers, it's not even the true number of dead. They're saying the true number of dead is much less. It's all been a hoax. The viral estimates are a hoax, but Trump, because he can't figure out which way to go. And what's really frustrating, I'll close with this is again, if the shoe were on the other foot or whatever, and we were Democrats doing all of this and saying all of this, the Republicans would so expertly hang us with our lie. The fact that a president totally contradicted the protesters while he's embracing them. The fact that the president said, oh, we had to shut everything down. I mean, you got him well, right there. Again, think about the little things. And when I say little, like things that actually were, were potentially legitimate mistakes made by Democrats that that either hurt people, got you know, that ended up being being. Uh, I'm trying to think of the right phrase to put it in proportion, but sort of uh, security errors. I'm thinking of, of Benghazi, of course, and there was a legitimate inquiry to be done there by people who cared about our national security and wanted to see what was wrong, what had gone wrong, if anything, and had there was there anything that we should have done better. Right. which would have benefited this entire country instead of trying to find, turn it all into the black guy and the woman who, want to, who wants to be your next president, screwed everything up, blah, 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 and spend more hours on that than on 9-11 and Pearl Harbor, which, by the way, they did, where four Americans died. They didn't give a shit about getting to answers. They cared about headlines, you know, and, and Fox News and the entire, you know, the Federalist and the entire right-wing dickosphere jumped in behind them. And again, we don't ever want to be like robotic propaganda spatters like they are, but it still does come down to the fact that the best way to respond to conservative propaganda is with liberal truth. You just need to tell the truth. And it's always our problem, and we've talked about this ad nauseum on the show, that we just don't seem to, to get that, you, that even if you have to be a little shameless in telling the truth again, again, and then another time, you have to do that. You can't ever just assume people know because it will be drowned out by right-wing bullshit. And, and that's my problem here. That, again, still, I mean, you know, we're, we just announced the beginning of the show, excited and lucky to be part of the sexy liberal network now. And so we're growing uh, in there a liberal network. Other liberal networks have grown. But nothing that's had the money or the, the you know, infrastructure to rival Fox and what the right has done. And that is why they get away with so much more because if we had a network that anything resembled Fox News, imagine a Fox News like network on our side with good graphics and all that sort of stuff, but just, but honesty, telling the truth, you know, just think about like the two or three hours or whatever it is of, of, of MSNBC you get at night. And imagine if we, we had that as a constant thing uh, all the time, you know, and imagine what that would do in terms of, of letting people know the truth and what's really going on out there. And that this guy can try to set expectations as low as he wants. He and the, the protesters can contradict each other constantly. But that should be pointed out to people that clearly they're cynical liars who lie about anything at any time that they think will give them advantage. Uh, and, and it's all about politics. It's all it's ever about with them. It's about power. They want to hold power. Yeah. It's really, I mean, it's, it, it yet again just gets to that point where I'm like, I just can't believe it's, I had a Canadian from Toronto uh, message me on Twitter last night and go, John, I, I don't understand the protesters. Like, 
how can people not believe this is real? Can I just, you're, I don't understand your country. Can you explain? And actually I did a walkthrough and it was interesting. I mean, I won't sort of do the entire thing, but it was, it, it made me sort of think, think it through a little bit. And actually I'll tell you what the key points were, because I think it also gives us a little more to talk about, but it was, uh, I, I said, you know, um, first we, okay. I said, first we've got the far right fringe. That's crazy, highly motivated, increasingly organized via the internet. And they've got some big money players funding them, right? So, so you got all of that together. So nutty fringe, the internet's helped them organize and the big money, like Cliff said, the DeVosis, right? Um, then I said, the Republican Party spent decades trying to convince people not to trust the media. And that's, yeah. been, that's been because the media holds them responsible for their lies. And as we've said before, the Republican Party has realized that the only way they can really get ahead is by lying. That's it part was of literally their- Roger I- Ailes. Ailes. I never know, really know how to pronounce his name. I Ailes. don't much fucking yep. care. But it was literally his project. He worked for Nixon hmm. um, after uh, Watergate. The reason why he wanted to start a right wing network is because he b- believed that it, that the networks, by honestly reporting what happened there, it brought down Nixon, and he was determined oh, that would never go. happen again. Yeah, yeah. That they don't. That's, they fact. don't I mean, that's historical yeah. fact. That's, there's yep. no question there. No, right. They do not survive well in a culture of truth. That is also why they're anti-science to a degree is because the science truth tends to undercut their policies. But you've also got my third point. Part of the reason they're anti-science is because you've also got a religious wing that's a little nutty, too. And I mean, I just I don't just mean religious, but I mean, like the far the far right religious nutty element. Um, one of the trucks in Pennsylvania had a sign on it that said, Jesus is my vaccine. I saw that. God. Yeah. And I and actually I tweeted back and said I hope Jesus is your ventilator and somebody else tweeted yeah Jesus is going to be your coroner, um, you know. You, but um, that may be but, true in fact. But we've got like the crazy religion thrown in. Um, then then my point that I made last night prophetically, thank you, that the, that the Republicans want to blame the economy on the Democrats. They've got to claim the virus is a hoax. So they've got to basically have these protests to say, look, it's good Republicans protesting to open and those mean Democrats won't open. So we must blame them. Um, and and last two points, 43 percent of our country's crazy. Right. The 43 percent or so that still thinks Trump is doing a good job. And at this point, if you still think Trump is doing a good job. You're crazy, but that's 43% of the country. And I then extrapolated it out to my final point without mentioning the Nazis. I talked about how bad things happen in history and students of history always look back. And frankly, not even students of history. All of us growing up when we heard about really bad, you know, bad genocides and things happening, we always said, how could people let that happen? Right. Especially, I mean, I mean, but especially the Nazis, right? How could the German? That was the one because it was historical. But we even asked in other countries, like you sort of wondered, you know, how how, how is it that these group, you know, that sometimes there's t- historical, t- you know, tensions and things between groups, but how could it get to that point where neighbors are murdering each other? Yeah, you know well, I mean? and and where the populace doesn't stand up and go, okay you know, Nigerians cut it out or okay, Germans, the rest of us aren't cool with this. Well, the reason this shit happens is because half the country welcomes the, I said half the country welcomes the bad men taking over while the other half has no clue how to stop them. Yeah. And that's exactly it. I mean, I woke up again feeling stressed this morning. I've been, I think there's, there's, I mean, I I like that, but I think there's even more to it than that. Um, I think that there's complicity from the institutions I mean, yes. Hindenburg, if you go back to Germany, who was like, oh, yeah, we'll put Hitler in power. We can control him. No problem. Um, the media normalizes it. 
they normalized the Nazis. You could go back from the era then and even find in the New York Times, but certainly in German publications. Like, you know, he says a lot of anti-Semitic stuff, but, but uh, you know, he's just kind of a buffoon. He doesn't really mean it. Um, I mean, you can find all of this stuff. And that's the thing is that is that I've said that a number of times to people. I'm like, you know, assuming that and I'm going to assume we make it through this and these kinds of things don't happen. I don't think anybody now from our generation, certainly Generation X, uh, will ever have to ask that question again. And 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 millennials, because we've been we've been alive during this. And, and if you're paying attention, you could see it happen right in front of you. I mean, I'm still looking at. On, on Twitter, I'm still looking at New York Times politics writers who are who are putting stuff out there, and they're they're making Trump's claims equal to those of yeah. doctors and people. You yeah. know, just two different sides yeah. of the coin. One, yeah. a, a serial lying fucking buffoon who's who's already been in, you know proven to have committed crimes uh, by Mueller and others. Uh, you know, that guy we're going to put him on equal standing with what a doctor says, and they still do it. And they do it with Republicans all over the country and Democrats because they refuse to be partisan in a way. I responded to one of those types of tweets the other day, and I was like, it'd be like if they responded, people were like, so who won the game, the Reds or the Cubs? And you're like, well, the Reds say that they played a much better defense, but the Cubs say they got more hits. Right. That's the equivalent. Well, who the fuck won the game? There's an actual fact. Somebody won, but we're not going to tell you. If that's what they would do if they covered sports the way they cover politics. Like there are facts and they refuse to cover them because everything gets in this, this sort of, oh, we don't want to seem like we're mean because John was pointing out earlier, they started going after the media and the media is scared of this bullshit seeming like they're liberal. And so they won't tell people the truth. And that's how it happens because a lot, because they're, I agree with you, John, there's, you know, everything I've looked at in the past tells me 30% of the population would support any genocide, no matter what, they'd be right there for it. The issue to me is, is that the, the propaganda networks on the right and the lack of honesty from the mainstream media. And I will say, when I say this, I'm always careful to say, there are some folks out there doing an incredible job at major publications who have been incredibly honest and just told it like it is. They are much fewer than the ones who refuse to do it. Right. And so when you're, if you're somebody who let's just say is kind of a moderate or center-right Republican and you see all this propaganda that Hillary is, is you know, the antichrist or now Joe Biden is and all these lies, you know, you, you know, you're, you're probably smart enough that you see some stuff on the news in places like, well, I don't really like Donald Trump, uh, but oh, come on, they're exaggerating. He's not really going to do this. He's not going to really hurt people in that way. And, you know, I liked my tax cut. And, you know, so I guess I don't really like him and I don't think he's the best we can do, but, you know, he's the lesser of two evils. That's what you get going on from an right. additional 10 or 15 percent of the population who otherwise, if they were being told the truth, would reject it. And it's right. a sign of an incredibly unhealthy democracy, which is where we are right now. Yeah, you know? and I and as we've always said, I don't know how we get better, but it also makes me it also makes me worry that this is well that this is humanity. Period, and the question becomes, who swoops in to try to to try to uh, uh, I forget what the word is push those fissures, you know, make those fractures worse. That that this is always a danger in democracy. That that there are authoritarian leanings that people have, especially in times of fear, but also that people on the right tend to just be a little more authoritarian. Not that people on the far left couldn't probably be too, but, um, but, clearly, but clearly the right is the problem right now. Um, I mean, they have intended, if we were to look know, back to do the, to, you know, in, our, in the history of the United States to do the same kind of damage, but they have in many other countries, you know, yeah, far but, left authoritarians. Yes. I mean- Yes, but not here. Um, no, but, but on the but right- I agree. Gonna, so yeah. some of this, I would say to you, as a student of history and whatever else you want to say, 
sadly is human nature that yes we drift but, but towards it, but it keeps, authoritarianism but it, and but you need the right people the right institutions the right voices yes. to step in every time we, we were sort of borderline we got there i mean a classic example was you know to pick one from the recent not i mean not recent past but more recent than like you know hundreds of years ago or whatever is mccarthyism i mean we were sliding towards authoritarianism yeah. then yeah, and, and and some voices finally in the media, Edward R. Murrow, some voices in the military, the army had enough of it. Some voices oh. in Congress, other Republican members of Congress had enough and stood up and finally stopped him after being scared of him and letting him run rampant for a few years. You know, Clint, I'm uh, the the I was googling. Yeah, it's funny you said that. I was googling yesterday the "have you no decency" thing because I was trying to remember. Welch, if, yeah. Well, I, I was thinking it was Murrow for some reason, but I was realizing anyway. I was thinking it was Murrow for a second because there was a Murrow moment as well, like you just said. There was, um, yeah. but Welch. But then I was reading it, and apparently, Welch was there testifying on behalf of the of the army. I believe. Yeah, he was the lawyer, was the, the legal counsel to right. That McCarthy the was trying to claim that there were communists in the army. Well, because right, because the I army mean, got pissed at him because he because he he you know he was a lot. I mean, you know, he was an earlier day Trump. As he kept taking on institutions, he kept th- and and everybody kept shying away and being scared of him. He got more bold. They only emboldened him, and so um, you know uh, he he wanted to help that little dick. Uh, who worked for him get out of serving in the military, and so he threatened the army, and they wouldn't let the dude out, so he yeah. kept doing it. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, and finally he took on a foe too big, and then finally, you know, other Republicans stood up, a couple moderate Republicans, and you know, and finally also um, uh, Moreau did, but also, I mean, even Eisenhower finally jumped you know, in, who avoided it. Let me ask you something. Though. I want to read you the quote from Welch because I'm a little confused as to um, basically. What at least the well, it's funny. Well, there's a longer sentence, which is interesting. But according to the U.S. Senate website, it says that over and I want to read you the quote, though, real quick. But then it says that overnight McCarthy's immense national popularity evaporated. Now, I'm curious as to why this. So he's he's there in front front of a Senate hearing and. It says uh, at a session on June 9th, 1954, McCarthy charged that one of Welch's attorneys. Oh, Jesus, I'm dropping things. Oh, you're talking about clicking, John. What the hell are you doing there, Bell? Dropping. That's all right. That was my. <laughs> that was my. That was my temporary cleaner that I used to clean my phone. Very funny that we talked about it. It just fell off my table. It's like karma. Um, the Army hired Boston lawyer Joseph Welch to make its case. At a session on June 9th, 1954, McCarthy charged that one of Welch's attorneys, of course, of course, one of his attorneys had ties to a communist organization. As an amazed television audience looked on, Welch responded with the immortal lines that ended McCarthy's career. Quote, until this moment, Senator, I think I never really gauged your cruelty or your recklessness. When McCarthy tried to continue his attach, attack, Welch angrily interrupted, let us not assassinate this lad further, Senator. You have done enough. Have you no sense of decency? Now, my question is, yeah, that's a nice line, but why the hell would that be enough to turn everything around 180 degrees? So it wasn't in and of itself. If you read further, what you'll see is, is that, and that's what I'm talking about, that you need certain voices at certain times, and you don't ever know when it's going to be a voice that galvanizes opposition. But it's almost like the straw that broke the camel's back. Right. He already was pushing too far and going after the army. The army was a very, you know, we're, we're talking about the early 50s here. 
you know, right Korea, after World War II, World and War right after II. World War II still, yeah. The army was an incredibly popular institution. Our military was that he had chosen to take on. Yeah. Our, our president was was a man who had served in that military, a war hero, and he started going after him uh, and George Marshall of the Marshall Plan. It was you know, so I mean, you you know, he he started taking on sort of these these sort of more towering institutions and figures, and at that point. When he, that line, I think, you know, and, and I'd have to look to get the, the blow by blow of exactly what happened. Yeah. But, you know, it led to all of these things, Republican senators calling for his censure. Uh, it led to Murrow and others hitting him even harder and the news media coming down harder on him. It led to, uh, you know, the certain institutions, president and others calling out and, and denouncing him. And so it just it was a conf- confluence of factors, but it was all based on. You know, I mean, sometimes for a movie, sort of, you know, or whatever it is, anything you write, you're going to make it more dramatic and say it was just that one moment. That one moment, I think, helped galvanize it all. But it wasn't just that one it moment. It couldn't have been just that moment. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like, it was a great line, but, you know. You know, yeah. that one moment helped galvanize people behind, like, you know, finally it gave courage to people that had been hiding. Well, that's what I'm wondering. If it, 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 it expanded the Overton window. It allowed it, other people to maybe finally exactly. speak up and feel like they, they, they weren't going to be accused of being communist. They could join together and say enough, yep. you know, but you it's, know and it's I mean? different now though. I mean, obviously this is more of a, for me, this feels more of a, every day we sit there and go, what the fuck? It's not a, it's not a, I'm afraid they're going to come after me. It's, it's just, I don't know what to do. You know, I mean, well, not, I don't know what, know what to do. do. We do, also- we do. We do what we do. You know, I mean, I'm not saying we're sitting here helpless, but but I mean, he is president. You know, I'm not going to break the law <laughs> to get rid of him. So, like, what well, he and of course, nowadays, the, how do you protest anyway? Well, you also, yeah, you try to do your best to inform people and you do whatever your role is, you know? I mean, which is, again, more than a lot of people do, sadly, because there's a lot of people out there that know how terrible this guy is, but they're not going to speak up about it. Yeah. Even if they're not in the administration, even if they are not in Washington, they have nothing to do with them, but they're, they're you know, you're a business person in, in the suburbs of Kansas City or, or you know, in the suburbs of where, pick a place, Houston, and you're just like, you know, I don't want to rock the boat. What if my colleagues get mad at me? What if I lose clients? What if I, and they just don't, they don't want to take a risk, you yeah. know, but, but you hope that there's enough voices out there that are doing it. And, you know, and also there was, a, even back in the 1950s was the, was almost the birth of of the beginning of this right-wing response infrastructure. I think the National Review was 55. Um, but there were already like there, you know, I'm trying to think. I think I feel like it was AEI, American Enterprise Institute, right. uh, that was founded also in the early 50s. Like they were starting to put together this infrastructure of right wing bullshit. Nothing compared to today, um, but to sort of you know to, to 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 have their opinions out there because you know the, they needed to respond, I suppose, to the truth, and you know, and so you 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 already you're starting to to have some of that, but nothing like today. I mean, without Fox News and the right wing yep. megaphone and all these folks behind them, I don't think Trump would have. I, I don't. I'm not, I'm not sure Trump would have survived impeachment. I certainly don't think he'd be in yeah. the position he'd be in. I mean, there was somebody who did a political analysis at one point, mm-hmm. and again, this isn't far off from what I just said. If I said 30 percent, 33 percent, somewhere in there, there, you know, mm-hmm. either up to a third maybe would support fascist buffoons, no matter what. Right. Sadly, um, but. But um, somebody did an analysis and said that uh, that, and I have to look up what it, which it was that Fox News adds six points to Republicans because mm-hmm. of its constant drumbeat, because of the fact that it's on every day, all the time. I mean, it's like a, it's like constant free ads. 
It's a yeah. huge in-kind yeah. contribution of billions upon billions of dollars. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, you, you can't not factor that in. McCarthy didn't have that, you know? I mean, that's part of it. You know, yeah, no, it's and, very, and, it's, yeah. yeah. And again, I don't know what the media will do here. I'm interested as we get closer to the election, but like, you know, the, 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 it doesn't matter if the danger to democracy is from without or within. It's still a danger to democracy. And you saw a lot of reporters after 9-11 put aside, you know, their so-called, you know, they didn't report like Osama bin Laden had a rough childhood or, you know, whatever it is. Like, you know, they didn't try to pretend there were two sides. It was one side. It was us. We were attacked. Right. They had murdered people. Right. And, you know, you do see... Every, you know, if you want there to be hope, I've seen certain reporters I never expected to speak out in a voice and sort of say just the truth have done it. Uh, you know, for, I mean, if I during, you know, the Obama administration, I often viewed someone like Don Lemon on CNN as weak, you know, who often would, wouldn't, you know, you know, parry or kick down any of the bullshit Republican claims about Obama. You know, he, he's if you've seen a few of those videos, it's been amazing. Of him yeah. going after Trump. So I'm just saying, you know, that's just a choice of one person, but there have been others too who've just yeah. finally said enough. You know, this is not defensible. And they've made that obvious and they've constantly gone after him. And so I'm just going to hope that more and more in the media do it and they put this bullshit, you know, both sides, uh, you know, aside as we get close to the election and say, this is about the Republic, man. Right. You know, this is about protecting this country and keeping it, uh, you know, the democracy we want it to be, or at the very least, keeping it a democracy. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. <clears throat> but I mean, I think there have been some good signs, even while way too many are still, you know, playing this bullshit game of we need to understand Trump voters. We really don't. I don't need to understand racists the way I don't need to understand Nazis. They're pretty easily understandable. Right. And I don't think they're gettable. I think most of them aren't. I think some of them are. Right. My mom voted for Trump. And I think I t- I've always talked about my mom, but my mom voted for Trump and literally inauguration day. It was inauguration day or a week later. But I remember it was the end of January. She calls me and goes, he needs to be impeached. <laughs> I was like, Ma. <laughs> she just well, didn't like it. I'm glad really she voted against like... him this time. Or I hope she would. Oh, but yeah. Of well, course, no, she's well, in Illinois, yes, but, so it's not going to make a huge difference. But, but, but the yeah. interesting thing with Mom, though, is she, she, I think Biden will be fine. She was very worried about Bernie. She didn't like Warren. And, but, and Mom, you know, Mom being Mom, and this is the problem I think you get with sort of reasonable Republicans, right? She didn't want to not vote because it's her civic duty. She didn't want to vote third party. It's her civic duty. She didn't want to do a write-in. It's her civic duty, right? right? right. She, a write-in. She's going to vote for somebody where she's going to make a difference theoretically. As to yeah. Like even yeah. a write-in. I said, write-in somebody good. No, but then my vote's wasted. It was, it's a weird, it's a weird concept, but, but it, so that, so that it honestly, I, not that she would have voted for Trump, but I mean, she could have, if the Democrat was so bad and nobody gave her another option and it's view. kind of a, yeah. so it's kind of a weird concept for people. You know what I mean? Cause I'd be like, just don't vote. No, and I, and I you know, know but it's, I, you know, I, I agree even with Even for you. good and people. I mean, there, there's right. Well, and I'm not, when I say Trump voters, um, and I should be clear about that. I'm thinking about the ones out of those protests and stuff. Yeah. Okay. There are people that, uh, you, you know, everybody wants to make everything sort of simplified and, 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 you know, life is complicated and people are complicated and there are people that overlook things that, that they shouldn't. And there are people that, you know, I mean, I'm not, somebody will say there are no good people out there who voted for Trump. I think they made a fucking mistake and it was a bad vote. And, and I 
hope that all of them, the good ones have learned their lesson. But again, because of that right wing infrastructure, you know, sending them crap because of like the social circles they were in, because of all these other things, they often looked at Trump as the lesser of two evils. And I'm hoping that this period of time, as well as his entire administration, has shown them, no, he is the greater of two evils, especially when up against Joe Biden. So, you know, let's see what, what happens there. But, I mean, certainly polling is showing all of that right now. Obviously, it needs to hold, and we need to have an honest election or at least something resembling that. I mean, there's, you know, you can find things to worry about. Um, but, but I mean, I do think, uh, hopefully, that permission structure for people to break away is created when more and more people, particularly, hopefully, Republicans, um, you know, are, are doing that. Right. You know, I mean... I'm waiting for the, you know, the ads that show that, that Trump was the only person ever to have a, a member of his own party vote to convict him. What Romney did, what Romney did in the right. end, if we if we use that right, is a big deal. Right. Um, hell, you know, if I were Biden, I'd almost make Romney an offer to come speak to the Democratic. Now nah, they probably wouldn't let him in. <laughs> interesting, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be interesting. Though. Well, you know, here's the thing. I mean, you know, it's, you it's that you could. Well, here you know it's funny. You, did, were, you, were you a West Wing watcher? Of course. Okay. Please. I assumed. <laughs> I assumed. So remember yeah. how the, the how the whole series ended? And I'm sorry if people haven't watched it, but if you haven't watched it by now, you know I can't help you. Yep. Um, <laughs> it's been it's been you know, thirty years or twenty years, so yeah. Jimmy Smith wins, you know, and when he ends up offering Alan Alda, the the Republican who's a reasonable Republican, you know, is not. And is not VP, of course, and not anything in domestic policy, but they happen to actually both agree on foreign policy. Right. Right. Well, who's the person who first said, and we mocked him at the time, and I am a man enough to admit, or human enough to admit when I'm wrong, that, that Russia was our biggest geopolitical foe. Who yep. said that? Romney. That was Mitt Romney, Romney back in 2012. Yeah. Yep. He's very anti-Russia. He's on the right side of all of that stuff yep. when it comes to NATO and security and not being, you know, about, uh, not being somebody who's about, uh, um, you know, about nationals and all this craziness. And and so I'm not saying necessarily offer him secretary of state, but, you know, and I know a lot of people no, have pissed though. at me for even saying that, but I mean, if he, if he's not doing any dom- talking at all about domestic politics, right. Yeah. It's just foreign policy. Yeah, yeah. He comes from a, a family with a, a, a you know, a sort of a famous family name. His dad was a big time internationalist too, who actually was one of the early, first ones who came out against Vietnam. You know, I mean, that's the sort of person who, you know, but but maybe you think that's too big. You know, okay, well, you know, what about Secretary to the UN? I mean, there are things oh, yeah, like UN that. ambassador, yeah, 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 no, UN ambassador. Sorry, there are yeah. things like that that maybe are, become a capstone for someone like Romney because, you know, if unless he's fooling himself. You know, he's not getting any younger and that party will not nominate him anymore. Will not. There's no way he's going running in a race against these com- these guys that are comfortable being right wing loon populists like like Tom Cotton and Ted Cruz and whatever. And that he's getting the nomination. He has to know that, especially after he voted to impeach Donald Trump mm-hmm. to convict him. There's yeah. no way he can't. So, so you, what you'd have to think is, is that the highest he's going to get out of anything is if he makes a deal and gets a top foreign policy job in a democratic administration, comes and speaks to the democratic convention or the virtual convention, endorses Biden, just saying it would make a lot of sense. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. Um, so 
last little thing was just, and then we can go because we've been talking for a while, but Stakem is doing the Stakem account. <laughs> Remember Stakem's, those thin, yes. thinly sliced frozen steak or something. The people um, that provide you with better information on, on COVID and many other and, and things democracy. than the President of the United States. Yes. Yeah. So Stakem tweets yesterday, this is what we were talking about, okay? That just the, it's like, it's like some, some political philosophy major is writing this or something but so stakem yesterday tweets media media literacy in the internet age is incredibly difficult to develop you have to, it's wonder and it's really it's written so well too i mean i mean it's so literate too right so media literacy in the internet age is incredibly difficult to develop you have to navigate special interest groups trolls ads conspiracies fake accounts satire sensationalism and beyond in order to find credible source material and relevant experts buried under the mess. Somebody drew Biondo responds, stick to steak. Steakum responds, Drew, I would love nothing more than to just post pictures of steakum and recipes and meat memes all day, but we're in the middle of a crisis. So the ads I'm currently writing are more geared towards bringing people together and encouraging them to think critically. <laughs> this is a freaking steak Twitter account. But that's why this was is so brilliant. I mean, I think about it and put my sort of advertising and PR hat on. Oh my god. I mean, how how brilliant has their response to all of this been? I it's mean, just yeah, and well, and you know what, Cliff, and to to a degree, it is very hard. We talked with this the other day about the uh, Coke or Pepsi, whoever it was who used the Kardashian or whoever the hell the woman was to stand up in the Black Lives Matter police thing. Right. And it blew up in their faces. It's it can be difficult. Uh, for example, I remember there was a 9-11 one that I thought was beautiful that a phone company did. I forgot what it was, but it, it was the it was the light from the Twin Towers. And I don't remember what it was, but it was some phone, some cell phone company. And it was a beautiful ad. And everybody got pissed at them because they did an ad related to the 9-11 anniversary. And honestly, it was a beautiful, you know, homage to the 9-11 thing right. i thought it was beautiful but people got pissed so it is a very dangerous even when you're doing good ads that actually do pay you know homage or whatever so the fact that stakem could could i would love what i'd love to know would be like to be a fly on the wall inside when when the guy running the twitter account or gal running the twitter account said so i want to kind of like have a whole series about like democracy yeah <laughs> And that and the Stakem, remember, imagine like some big fat Stakem CEO, you know, marketing guys going, yeah, go for it. <laughs> you know, well, that's, I mean, and that's in a way why they deserve the credit because oh. I'm sure other people at other types of brands like that have come up with similar ideas and have been shot down. Yeah. The fact that they allowed this guy to do it because these guys are so risk averse, they don't want to do anything that may anger anybody and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, by taking some risks is the way you get attention. By stepping out of like what your role would be, especially during a time when so many people are paying attention to media and paying attention to social media, and by doing something that's completely against brand that no one—I mean, it's a brilliant. Thing no, it's, to do. it's it weird. A, I mean, it's really weird. It's a social I mean, it's, service too, by the way. But, it's great, but, you know, and I appreciate it. So yeah. I don't want to act, say, look at it all through that lens of PR, and and you know, we need no, people like that. Like we were just saying during times when you've got authoritarians yeah. you want that it's kind of like the miriam webster dictionary account like trolling yeah. trump yeah. and he gets words wrong yeah i mean like you yeah. know they built a name for themselves and a big following that way too like you, you that is a is a service that we yeah you know we should all appreciate well and time, you know it's a brilliant strategy i mean and what's weird is because we talked about this the other day I, it, 
in a weird twisted way, I'm kind of curious to buy steak them and try them because it's been 30 years since I've tried them. And I don't remember if they're any good. And it's sort of weird, but for some crazy reason, this has made me curious about buying it, which, right. which I don't, know, I, say, you know, I don't know if I've ever had it, but now we're yeah. talking to our audience and they're listening and, Isn't and it funny? somebody yeah, out I mean, there may buy it. I mean, it, it can only redound to the benefit. Of it's steak. weird because I mean, again, like, and you, and, and they would never want to say, yeah, we're talking about this so that we get attention, but there's a weird boomerang effect that actually helps them with a lot of people. I guess my point is, because I've always wondered this in marketing, Cliff, is to what degree just creating good feelings about your brand, even if it has nothing to do with the product, helps you sell things. Mm-hmm. And I remember it's asking this. Well, I was branding, asking a question. A lot of branding is, 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 a lot yeah. of branding is like you look at a, a, you know, a company's logo or you think about a company and what's the <laughs> feeling you get? If you get a positive feeling, yeah. a warm, you know, you're much more likely to be interested in what they do. Well, I was, it's funny. I had asked God when I was just getting hired at the UN years ago and a month before I, I was going on, but I was already hired or whatever. And we had a staff retreat and we had some big branding expert from DC. And I had asked him that question. He had all these ads that were like these feel good ads for these international uh, events or, or no, I think it was for companies, these feel good ads for something or other, but they were feel good. It wasn't really the product. And I asked him, I said, you know, I'm curious, you know, I'm curious, like, have you found in the private sector that that actually worked, like just feeling good about a, a brand, even though it's not feeling good about the product. In other words, let's take this example, just because you know you didn't tell me Steakums tastes good and you didn't tell me, oh, I could use it to make this. I never thought of that. You had to talk about democracy, which made me feel better about the brand. Did you find it actually works? And, and then what I asked him was, do you feel it's translatable to international uh, you know, poverty alleviation, things like that? My crazy ass boss, came up to me afterwards and yelled at me in front of my staff. This was, this is why I complained about my, my UN job. I hadn't even started working there. And she goes, that was a ridiculous question. You do not ask a question like that. And I mean, my, and I'm in front of my staff who I just met, you know, we are the UN. We do not ask questions about the private sector. You better get your head straight about who you're working for. And I was like, sounds like a wonderful John job, John. And, and you'll be, you'll be surprised that I left after a year and, I'm and, not surprised at all. And well, let's just well, say, it, let's just say she did not leave unscathed. She did not stay unscathed. We'll leave well, it at that. Yeah, probably best. Um, no, because I, I made sure to hold her to account. But but the point is, and I never got a well. I got it from her, of course, being the head of being the head of communications at the UN. She had no clue how this worked. But the the political consultant said, yeah. But it's always something that amazed me was that creating good goodwill good feelings about a brand even though it's not about the product makes you more likely to yeah, I mean, a lot of brands brand. emotion it's not it's just funny. yeah and but again not emotion about the product itself which is the funny thing no but emotion about, about the brand. that brand yeah yes. well, mcdonald's if i hear one more thing about laura ramirez or whatever the hell her name is you know i mean i'm glad she got the scholarship but give me a freaking break you know remember when they not remember it was like 20 times a day Laura, no, excuse me. No, Laura Ramirez, I think, is the one who grows up. But there was the one that was the McDonald's one about getting the scholarship. And I was like, every freaking day, 10 times a day, the kid at McDonald's gets the scholarship. And I'm like, okay, that's really good. Really good. But the point is, right, they're trying to make you feel good about the brand. And some, I'd love to talk to a, a sort of a psychology or marketing well, psychology expert. Well, there's a lot of expert, psychology involved right? in branding. Absolutely. Like, why that? It still fascinates me. Like why having said that, look at politics. Actually, politics is the same thing. I was just going to say, I am somebody absolutely in politics where 
I like to like the person I'm going to vote for. Well, everybody does. You're you know? not unique that way. I, what you know? I try to tell people as I do on the show is you need to look beyond that sometimes yeah. and say you need to vote for whoever you need to vote for because they're the person that's going to do the good stuff even if you don't like them that much. Right. It's not about falling in love. Right. 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 But but it, but, but, it's, but but there's right, no doubt no. that that plays to a lot of people. Presidential too. I mean, look at presidential. I remember like, and again, Reagan was able to do this. George, actually Dick Cheney kind of fascinated me because Cheney, we all hated him. But Cheney was was kind of very good. My, my old boss, Ted Stevens, used to do this. I remember him telling me when constituents would call, they said, you know, stick to your guns and explain to them why you disagree. Very politely and say, you know, and, and I would, I would literally say, okay, totally hear you. You know, could I just tell you what the senator's thinking? And they'd say, okay, sure. And I'd explain his position. And more often than not, they'd say, you know, I don't agree with you, but I really appreciate you you know, explaining that, you know, you were very earnest about it. You know, you yeah, were very honest do, I mean, about it. And there's something in politics where getting a sense of you're a good, you're a decent person, even though I totally disagree with you, can work for votes. It's very oh, there's absolutely no doubt about that. Yeah. No doubt about that. I, I didn't mean Dick Cheney's a decent person, but I meant, but no, I meant I, I, he was one, he was one who would often just come out and say, well, I disagree with you. And I'm going to tell you yeah, why. But he was, whatever right? happened to him, he was a different person when he was, in Congress and Secretary of Defense than he was under Bush when he became an evil, grumpy old man. Yes. I don't know if he. Yes. I don't know if it was dementia. I don't know if it was something else entirely. I have you no know, idea but, but Cliff, what happened to him. But he was not the same. I mean, I'm not saying. I, I Look at all of these guys, though. They hit six. They hit sixty-five, and they go crazy on the right. Mm-hmm. That's true. Remember, was it Bill, Bill Barr? Oh, right. he's a he's a great hire for justice because he's. What if you? Maybe it's because right? you already have a lot of anger. And uh, I, it's only going to get worse. Giuliani. Yeah. And oh, I realized like easy. New Yorkers like to tell us Giuliani was always bad, but Giuliani wasn't always this bad, was he? No, no, no. He was nothing like this. He, <laughs> right? he I mean, definitely had racist uh, outbreaks where he was a complete dick, where he fought and he always took the cops' sides, and he, you know, and he had fights with people that were unnecessary. That you could, see, In other words, you could see the, the right. personality traits there, and there's a reason a lot of people didn't like him, but it was nothing on this level. I mean, not even close to, you know, a lunatic he's become i do i think it's that the, the, they already have those personalities and just all the guardrails fall down as they get older yeah yeah it's just really there's it's it's weird but there's something with all of these guys and i don't get it anyway it's very weird but um yeah in any case all right guys um i think we've done enough for today enough damage uh it's tuesday so as you we'll be back thursday or friday uh, yep yep uh, either just whatever. us or we may have a guest we'll see I know we've been trying. We've been, although we've had a ton of guests lately, actually. We have. Yeah. Yay us! Um, oh, cool. So cool. Now that we're and, part of the uh, sexy liberal. Thank you podcast. for uh, listening and joining the sexy liberal family with us. It exactly. should be a fun ride. And hope the ads aren't too annoying. But you know what? Mama's gotta put food on the table. So there you go. You know. There you go. Although nowadays, you know what? I've always worried about having advertising for that reason, but I have to say nowadays people probably probably understand that more than ever. And again, if they're good (laughs) ads like the one today, I'm even more happy that are helpful people. No, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's an oh. ad. There's a lead-in ad too that's fine as well that that folks are also going right. to have heard. But we we read one, we read one an episode, I believe, and then one plays as the lead-in. So, so thank you for understanding that. Um, hope you're all doing well as well. Stay healthy, healthy. Be smart. Well, Don't and hopefully, to orange cretins about your health and safety. Listen to well, and on. hopefully financially too. Because <laughs> oh, yeah, well, of course, I've been thinking more about that about people, you know, about the whole people not having four hundred dollars in savings kind of thing, and what the hell I people. Know, are doing. I mean, I mean, you could apply for these programs by the way 
just for yucks, Cliff, I looked up the people, last little thing to comment here on, but the Paycheck Protection Program, right? It's the thing where either- Yeah, I applied missed, for it. I haven't gotten any funds just so you well, know. Well, and uh, I just started looking into it, but I, I, I don't know if you- unless you had an accountant help you, but the, the laugh I had when I started looking into it was, remember how they told us we don't have to pay our taxes until July 15th? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to have if you your, have to file your taxes, then you have to use your tax returns from a year earlier to prove. No. Oh, no, oh, no. Not according to what, my, what I'm finding. I was able to. Really? Oh, the stuff I'm finding is saying you've then got to do your 2019 taxes anyway, even if you don't file them in order to. I think some of it's what bank you go through and the bank I went through. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, because I was kind of pissed. I was like, okay, seriously, you told me to put off the taxes for three months. And now you're telling people they can't get the benefits unless they do the taxes. You just told them. You know what, dude? I I was able to use 2018 taxes. It wasn't a problem. I went through a Rackenville bank and I would still bet you that I will get no money in the end. Well, that's possible. Was it a bank you already had a relationship with? Yeah, Chase. I mean, and you were um, able to actually call them by phone or what? Yeah, I called them, talked to them, they helped me. I, well, I filled wow. it out online, but they gave me some tips and whatever. The business banker there, because I've got my LLC there. But in the end, wow. I'm not blaming the bank. I think it'll just yeah. be these guys don't have enough money, and they made sure to shovel money to people like Ruth's, Chris, and all these other people that don't yeah, yeah, fucking yeah. need it. So I'm, I'm being appropriately cynical. And if I get anything, yeah, yeah. I'm just surprised, surprised about the 2008. Okay. But this also shows you how screwed up things are because all the stuff Who's I'm there? seeing is saying 2019 taxes. And nothing I'm like, that's clear. Like these guys. I'm like are you freaking kidding me? Seriously? Like, no, you there's know. nothing that's clear. With them. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I would be too confident if, yep. if Trump did. So, yep. So, all right, all guys. Right. Take care guys. Thank Hang you. We'll talk to you later. Bye.